0: In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Jim David, Global Product Manager for the Overpass products from Amphenol Communications Solutions. Jim has been with the same company, which ultimately became Amphenol, for over 40 years, and he is retiring later this year. First, we talk about the new Overpass products and working with customers who are looking to add this cutting edge technology. Then we talk about the privilege of working for the last 40 years with such smart and dedicated people we talk about advice he received throughout his career that has stuck with him we talk about the mentors that helped guide him especially his father from whom he learned what it meant to work hard and sacrifice for the family we talk about his plans once he retires and of course we discuss his desert island album book and movie this is the interface all right well so then let's get to it jim thank you very much for deciding to do this today i'm glad that we uh, got a hold of you. Thank you to Becky McMorrow for for helping to set this up. So, Jim, I know that you have been with Amphenol now a little over 40 years. So you've had quite an extensive career already. But I'll start with the present. If you could tell us what you're doing now and, you know, some of the things that you'd like to focus on, you'd like to highlight for some of your current work, and then we'll work backwards.
1: Okay. Well, so I'm global product manager for the Overpass Products which is part of the HSIO connector group mm-hmm. under Susan Prakash. And that product is one that is tailored for primarily datacom market, although it, it will have application in further markets as the uh, speeds of the signals and all that start to continue to grow out into the internet. And it's a the nice part about this and what I'm doing now is it's an emerging technology. It's on kind of on the cutting edge of of some of the connector interconnect systems that we do, which always makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, And I have the uh, product responsibility. So for the introduction of it, the development of the business, it's a relatively new business, relatively new technology, and it's in a growth mode, which is in my mind is the most fun part of the the product uh, development process.
0: So if you could describe Overpass, maybe if you were to introduce this for the first time to someone who may not know anything about it, how would you describe it?
1: Okay, if you think about a data center, and typically inside a data center, you have a piece of hardware where there are cables that are coming out of the backside Mm -hmm. of that that piece of hardware, and inside is typically what a piece of hardware that they'll call a switch and servers. In a typical design that, that's there today, you typically have a chip that's on a printed circuit board that then has a an I.O. connector on the other side of the board mm-hmm. so that you have a chip. Your signals are going across the board and then the signals go into the I.O. connector that then connects to the cable and then out into the internet. Right. Overpass now, and, and what's happening with that is the signal integrity and the fidelity of the signal going through a printed circuit board things are going so fast and the density that is being required for this it's now becoming difficult to have a nice clean signal going through the printed circuit board because if you think of printed circuit board you've got traces you've got vias they go through different vias and different layers of the printed circuit board every one of those is a little bit of a discontinuity and takes away from the signal so what you'd rather have if you could is a chip with a direct connection to that IO that port on the outside. What overpass does is basically has a connector that's either near the chip or on the chip that has a cable connected to it or a series of differential pair cables connected to it going directly and terminated to the connector that's inside that IO port. So you mm-hmm. are overpassing right. the printed circuit board. That's kind of where the brand name comes in and also a name that we want people to think about what, what is the application and what is it doing? That's kind of what Overpass is. And the interfaces that we have are industry standard interfaces. Some I'll use some acronyms, SFP, QSFP, mm-hmm. QSFP, DD, OSFP. Those are all industry standards that are part of multi-source agreements. The other end is where we have our technology, which is well, I'll call either the near chip or on chip connectors, where we have products like Densalink and MicroLink over that are much denser and high performance connections. That's essentially what Overpass is.
0: I like the name. I, you didn't get cute with it, right? You just said, like, what does this do? Well, it kind of goes over and passes over the. We shouldn't call it Passover. Why don't we call it Overpass, right? <laughs>
1: And it's funny you say that because that was one of the that was one of the names that we had considered actually at one point, but we said we can't do that.
0: Well, yeah, because it would be tough googling that.
1: <laughs> You'd be yes. about
0: page seventeen on the on the results. Um, right, but overpass right. And, it may be a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. And we wanted something. You hit it right on the head, Chris. We wanted something simple. And and if you think about it you know, like a car overpass or something like that on a highway. We want to kind of have an analogy that people have that in their head when they're doing it.
0: So how have you found the success of this so far um, since you've introduced this?
1: So we're we're in the really early stages of this. This is a kind of a brand new technology that customers are still, uh, I would say they're looking at it and they're trying to make an assessment of it. So we're early on in the growth cycle of this. But what I would also say is those customers that are, on the more cutting edge and the ones that tend to ad- adopt technology earlier, we're right in the middle with a number of them yeah. in deploying this in the marketplace. So it is early on, but what I would say is my view is over the next three to five years, maybe maybe even less than that, you'll see a, a substantial growth curve with Overpass. Primarily because, as I said, the technology of printed circuit boards is now becoming a limitation at the speeds that we're now talking about transmitting. And this is a viable technology and one that, yeah, people are doing the assessment of it, but there's not a lot of other alternatives out there. There, there is alternatives like an optical type of, mm. of interconnect. But when you go to optics, you're talking about a step change, not only in technology, but in cost as well. So this is a very cost-effective solution and a higher level of technology and performance that customers will, I believe, will adopt in a wide range over the next several years.
0: Does it have the ability to extend the life of current systems? Or would you say this is more for uh, newer, more modern systems that are being built in applications?
1: It it certainly has application or could have application with existing systems. But I think the, the application of it and where you'd see most of the deployment Typically, um, if I give a speed in and of itself, in the datacom space right now, 28 gig and 56 gig systems is fairly common. But where the cutting edge and where a lot of the newer technology is at 112 right. and even looking out into the next generation of 224. And I'd say if you talk about the 56, 112, 224, that's the sweet spot for, for overpass.
0: What are some of the other products or technologies that you're excited about right now that you're working with?
1: What I would say with technologies I'm excited about, I think what I like about what we've got with Overpass, and maybe it's an extension of Overpass, is mm-hmm. from a pure customer standpoint, the neat part about selling this is we go, as I said, from the chip to the I.O. port, but from a pure solutions, total solution standpoint, Amphenol also supplies the, the cables and the modules that plug into those I.O. ports. So, for example, in that I.O. port, because it's an industry standard, you could plug in a passive copper cable, mm-hmm. an active copper cable, an active optical cable, or optical transceiver. All of those products, right. whether all of them that I just mentioned, all of those are offered by Amphenol. All of them are, are readily available. And even with some of the uh, recent acquisitions that we've done, our optical technology and our optical product offerings is now expanding as well. Yeah. So when I look at it, if I'm, if I'm a consumer or a customer and I want to go to a one-stop shop, if you will, Amphenol's self-proposition can be we can take you from the chip all the way out to the internet and even beyond the internet into kilometers of interconnection yeah. out, and we be, we we are able to supply and also quantify that entire interconnect link.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that's really the cell. You're you're exactly right. And and how much do you in in your work collaborate with your sister operations in some of these solutions for customers?
1: I wouldn't say that it's to a great degree. Uh, I mean. A little bit about my background. When I when I was part of an acquisition, for, uh, FCI is where I came in. So I was part. I became part of Amphenol yeah. approximately six years ago. And when I first came in, I came into Mark Saint-Hilaire's organization, which is the organization that had the DAC or the passive cables and the active copper cables, as well as the optical uh, active optical cables and transceivers. So I have I have some working knowledge of that, and I worked with that and. Every chance I get at a customer, I try and do the whole the whole sell proposition. Sure. Yeah, because um, it, it's it's good for the customer one stop shop, and they don't have to worry about dealing with multiple suppliers. If they have a problem with anywhere within that interconnect, they go to one one customer. And actually, from our standpoint, it's one division. Right. It's the it, it's one group that they have to deal with, and that I think in some customers find great value in being able to say that and be able to work in that in particular of only one single group kind of thing.
0: So now as I as I pointed out when we first started you just celebrated your 40th anniversary uh with uh, we'll call it Afinal for just the the umbrella That's of funny. all the various companies <laughs> that you all the various iterations over the years that it's that it's transformed into but looking back I mean I I don't want to retire you now but I know it's it's <laughs> it's imminent right um looking back over your time so far um, and going back to maybe the beginning, I know you grew up, uh, as you told me earlier, in, in central Massachusetts, went to UMass Lowell after a couple jobs, ultimately found um, it was Berg Electronics. So can you yes. tell me a little bit about how how what that was like? You know, uh, we'll call it a few years ago. I don't want to sit here and just, you know, call you old man the entire time. You
1: know, <laughs> It's OK. I am what I am. Um, uh, so, yeah, back then. I I I guess when I look at it if I kind of if I kind of take a wide view of it which I think is what you're asking me. Yeah, yeah, in essence. Yeah. yeah. The the connector industry has changed so much in the last 40 years. Yeah. Um when I first started working for Berg everything about an interconnect um was much more mechanical. I'm I'm a mechanical engineering degree uh yeah. by degree uh with an MBA but but it's mostly mechanical and a little bit of electrical. And and the electrical part was relatively basic, you know, resistance and and that type of thing. Right. But as the speeds have increased, as everything has gone faster, as the bandwidths have gotten more, it's a lot more now of electrical and Mm -hmm. to a lesser degree mechanical. And even now with the speeds being what they are and optical transceivers becoming a little more prominent, thermal, is now coming in so gotcha. now you have kind of like a uh, a three-legged stool in that it's mechanical electrical and thermal and even mechanically you know if i talk about a hierarchy it's definitely electrical and i think mechanical and thermal are starting to become even a little bit more equal with that but back then a lot of it was like um at that point it was a hundred hundred of an inch centerline products like backplane connectors it was pins and receptacles, Mm -hmm. and today it's so much more dense. The intricacy, the manufacturing process, the accuracy of the manufacturing processes and the components that come out of it, it is so much more precise. And the engineering about it, the simulation capability of we have from signal integrity standpoint, all of those things are so much more than what it was when I first started with Bird Electronics 40 years ago it's it's just a very different but that's also partly why i stayed in this industry as long as i have every day it's a different thing mm-hmm. it's a new technology it's a new it's a new uh challenge for you to try and simulate and get with your customers and try and get yourself aligned with what their needs are and every time you talk to a different customer you get a little bit of a different view of it and that's that's kind of been the part where i've really you know, I've really said there were times when I thought about the industry and did I want to get out of this? But somebody told me early on that once connectors kind of get in your blood, it's hard to get out. And I guess I'm a, I'm a poster child for that. It's kind of what happened with me. Why do you think that is?
0: Why, why do you think people say that? What makes it true to you?
1: Okay. So again, being an engineer, there's, there's a curiosity factor and yeah. all of that. And you, and I wanted to understand, you know, thinking about electronics i mean i again i go back far enough that you know computers and everything else were like the the, the emerging thing when it, when you came in i mean i was one of the first engineers to have an apple computer yeah. in Virgo electronics i want to know understand how that worked how do they get to do this how do they do the design the, you know the connector goes in the machine and goes near the chip that we were talking about earlier well you kind of get an idea when you start to talk about customers and the design and the challenges and how are we going to, how are we going to do that? I mean, one of my, one of my favorite positions in my, my career was a field application engineer. You're right there with the design engineers when yeah. you're doing that to try and figure out what that issue is. How do we get them a solution? And and when you do that, you've got to kind of take a comprehensive view and you've got to kind of figure out, okay, how are we going to do all this? How are we going to meet their constraints? How are we going to meet this, the performance it kind of brings all of that together, and for me, that's always been kind of a challenge and kind of an, uh, an always an interesting way of doing it. There's been very few days that I've sat in my office or I've done traveling where I've said, "I'm totally bored here." This, is, this <laughs> I mean, I, that does not happen, right? Uh, and it's never really happened for me. And and for me, I'm I'm actually kind of grateful for that because it's never been kind of the job. It's always been kind of fun and a challenge every day.
0: How quickly did you realize that? There's just no way for you to be an expert in all of this stuff. That you were just going to constantly learn every day.
1: Well, in the beginning, I figured, you know, when I first started, I said, "Man, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this." Okay, um, <laughs> I'd say the numerous challenges and everything else. I think once you once you get your feet on the ground with a connector the connector industry and what some of the challenges are. And of course that depends on which market you're in. But once you, once you come to realize, you know, there's, it's a multifaceted type of solution that they're looking for. You realize also there's no way you can do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And you've got to rely on a lot of people and a big team to be able to pull that off. And that absolutely has been true throughout the career. I mean, I feel fortunate that I've been here for 40 years, but a lot of that, is is the privilege and, and the opportunity to work with a lot of smart, really dedicated people throughout the entire time. And and you take a little bit of what their expertise is into your every time and you say, hey, you know, that's important. I, I need to keep that in mind. And you, you build that up over time. That's also been kind of the nice fun part about it too. You can't, you can't be an expert in it all, but if you can take a little bit of piece of it, you become a little bit more knowledgeable as you go through it all and you build on that.
0: As we alluded to a bit earlier, that while you have been with, I guess, in essence, the same company for 40 years, it's gone through multiple iterations as far as the name and who owns it and all that sort of stuff. But as you think through that time and think of mentors or advice that you received over the years that really maybe one or two or three things that have really stuck out uh, for you that you've really maintained and always kept at the forefront of your mind as you've gone through your career? And even if you want to mention names and honor them as
1: well. That's a really interesting question, Chris, because I've, again, where I'm at, I've kind of thought back a little bit on that. yeah. Um, and I'll get to the mentors in a second. Some of the advice that I've gotten is, you know, that has kind of stayed with me is always be open. You know, early on I was always nervous about doing a presentation in front of a customer and somebody said, you know, Best way you can do it is to practice it. And I would literally, I would literally get in an office back then. And I would talk to myself in my presentations to be get, to get better at it. And you find that you do get better at it as you do it. Yes. And, and, but that was, that, that's always kind of stayed with me and it forces you to be prepared for it. um, Which is always a good thing. Make sure you understand what the customer wants. The customer is always right. (laughs) <laughs> but you, you can always you can always help to to try and change maybe a little bit of what their perspective is sure don't be afraid to take challenges I, i've gone from going when i first started i was in product engineering and then as i said i went to field application engineering then direct sales then came back in engineering management eventually that worked that worked into man, gen, like a general management That eventually went into uh, business development Mm -hmm. and then in what part of my career was just building up a business and then watching that business grow. And if you had told me way back when that that's kind of what my career path was going to be, there would have been no way (laughs) that I would have ever known that. Yeah. And I think, I think the other point that I would make is, um, you know, as you talked, I, I grew up in a small town in central Massachusetts. You would have never been able to tell me I would have been to the places that I've been in my career. Oh, I've been yeah. so yeah. fortunate to be all over the world and see different places of the world that I would have never conceived being able to do in my career. Yeah. One thing I do want to mention on mentors, I've, had, I've, been, I've been fortunate to have a number of people that have kind of guided me. Some of the names that, that come up that I think were important in guiding me in my career gentleman named Tom Lyons, who was an engineering director for me w- when I first became an engineering manager. Pete Kerwin is a name that some people from an FCI days will will uh, recognize. And I also want to mention Danny Morleone, who, F- who came with FCI, who I've known for probably close to 25 years or so. And I told him recently, actually, because he was asking me about my retirement. Yeah, And I said, I was never the kind of guy to kind of have or latch myself onto a particular mentor. Right. But if there was somebody that was my mentor in this, he was as close as it came to that because I could always rely on Danny to give me some, uh, a view, unvarnished view of what it was and what he thought. And I always, I always uh, valued what his perspective was in that talking about the, the career yeah. and, and mentors and all that. The one thing that I, that I did want to mention, though, it's, well, maybe not so much a mentor, but maybe, maybe my model, it was my father. So my father, he drove a truck in Boston for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. And the part that, that stayed with me and, and what my work ethic was, he would drive a truck in Boston, he'd leave the house at like seven in the morning, come back at like seven at night mm-hmm. and, you know, driving in traffic all day long in Boston. And then he he taught himself through a home study course to fix TVs. Mm. So he'd fix TVs, he'd come home, he'd eat dinner, he'd fix TVs till 10 o'clock and he'd do it all over again. Yeah. And when you see that and you have that as your, you know, somebody that you're watching, when I was going to Lowell and all that, you know, the engineering curriculum is not an easy curriculum. And I would get tired maybe at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I'd say, you know, I don't know if I can do this. And then I would think of my old man and I'd go, well, he's still working. There's yeah. no reason why you can't keep working. Yeah. So the one time I'm it's my senior year in at Lowell. I come home and you know, when you're a senior at college, you hardly ever come home. Right. Oh, yeah. You're not yeah. you're not coming home to mom and dad very often and all that, right? Right. But I come home, it's right near the very end. I'm on, I'm probably within a couple months of graduating. And he says, Hey, come here. And he and he slipped me like a twenty dollar bill. He says, Look, I know how hard you worked through this whole thing. Just take this and go have a good time one night. Yeah, And then you think about what he was going through and he spent, he, he tells that to me, I'm like, I've never forgotten that. And I've always told, because of that, my father was in that, was in that generation, Chris, where he didn't, you know, they weren't warm, fuzzy kind of, you know, and all that. That's probably the one time that I can say that he said, you know, I'm really proud of you and all that. And I go back to that as a touchstone. And I, and I, what I do with my girls is always make sure that I tell them, how proud I am because of exactly that reason.
0: Did twenty now turn into like a hundred for them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no inflation, Dad. Inflation. inflation. What's this 20 bucks? <laughs> I could barely get a sandwich with
1: this. No, no. No. I, I will say it was probably a little more than 20, but it was, but it wasn't a hundred. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd be remiss not to ask too, being this is uh, you know, an amphenol podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know you've been through, again, the business has been through multiple name changes and mergers and acquisitions. Yep. And But your time with just specifically Amphenol over the last you know six, seven years, five, six years, um, how has that been for you?
1: You know, they talk about being an Amphenolian yeah. uh, and entrepreneurial and all that. When the acquisition took place with FCI, they ran FCI, Rick Schneider ran FCI kind of as a separate entity for about a year. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't part of that. Actually, shortly after the acquisition, within a couple of months, I actually was part of Mark St. group. And um, what you find is the analogy that I gave for a lot of people who are asking me about it is it's like running with the herd. You have a choice. You can either run and keep running with the herd and make sure that you get, stay on pace with the herd <laughs> yeah. or you're going to get left behind. Right. But I, what I would say, and I am thankful for this, is Mark guided me in it. Uh, he was patient. I'm sure there were times when Mark was probably wondering me trying to get some information. And it was me getting into the Amphenol culture. Yeah. But what I would say is, and Amphenol success speaks for itself. As far as a company that's focused and a culture that's focused on winning and and being successful out of all the companies that I've, I've worked for, this one's probably the most focused by, mm-hmm. b- by far, you know, it's, and you can make it what you want to make it kind of thing too. I agree. Um, if you're looking, yes. if you're the kind of person that's looking for a, a notebook or a, a guidebook, <laughs> no, they don't. Do that. No, I mean it's up. Not. It's really no. up to you, it's really up to you, and you need to and you need to get on and and move on with it. And as if you embrace that, there's a certain freedom that comes with that. That's um, I I know there's a lot of people who really like that cause, and they wouldn't stay here otherwise, right? Yeah. Right, myself included. Yeah. Right. But but you don't know that when you're first starting, and so that there was a little bit of a struggle for me to kind of come up to speed and kind of get on plane and and start running with the whole thing. But once once I got to that, then it was then it was like okay, yeah, now I now I kind of know how this all works and all that. And after I'd say after about a year to two years, it's a lot more comfortable and you kind of have an expectation of what you do and how the whole whole thing operates. And I and and I would also be remiss if I didn't say. You know, I worked for Mark for about two or three years, and now I'm working for Susan. And Susan's pace and expectations and all that are just as high as anybody else's with this. And again, <laughs> I would say, you look at the HSIO connector systems and what their success has been over the last four or five years, right. it's hard to find another business that's been as successful as that. And a lot of that's due to her as well.
0: So if you had the chance now to go back to 1981 Jim, and just whisper something in his ear. You had 30 seconds. What would you say to him in preparation for the next, you know, X amount of years?
1: Wow. Okay. Hang on. I, I need a little time to think about this one, Chris. <laughs> I wasn't that's a really good another really good question. I um
0: it doesn't have to be anything specific, but just no, you know no. like hang no. hang on. It's gonna be a wild ride. Just enjoy it, man. You know, or
1: yeah, no, I I think it would be. The couple of things that popped pop through my head, one would be stay true to yourself. And I, and I'm, and I think that I have, mm-hmm. you know, don't forget your family and I haven't, but I guess I would say that too. I mean, when I was early on, I knew that I wanted a family and I wanted, I wanted kids and all that. And so I, I think I've stayed pretty much true to that. You know, it's going to be, there's going to be rough patches. You'll get through it and stay the path because at the end, I think you'll be happy with what you're going to see.
0: That's great. That's awesome.
1: I love it. So
0: when you're not working at Amphenol at the old FCI, what do you like to do in your free time with your family?
1: Well, I mean, I like to be with my family. I have three daughters, uh, one of which lives near me, one of which is in Boston, and one of which is in New Jersey. So they're all relatively close. And there's no better time for me than when we're all together. Yeah. My wife and I like to play golf. And we're planning on doing a little bit of that when I'm retired for sure. Um, We do like to also travel. I have a couple of uh, hobbies that I, that every now and then I like to exercise. So I want to get out and do some exercising with that. I've tried to be fairly conscientious about that throughout, throughout my entire life. So I plan on doing that. I'd like to do some woodworking, you know, reading. When I was, when I was a younger kid, I did some painting and some drawing and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of looking to, forward to doing that a little bit more now yeah. too, because I haven't, I haven't really explored that yeah. in a long, long time. And I do I, I, one other thing. I also do like to cook, which is another area where I, I plan on exploring and doing a little bit more <laughs> than what I've been doing in the past.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like you, you have a plan, which is good. I do. Yeah, I do. That's fantastic. Okay. So you said you like to travel, which is good. This will help for the next piece here, the the, the last piece of this interview. If I take you now by yourself now, and I put you on a deserted island, and it could be, say, like a month, you're just by yourself, just chilling, hanging out, but I allow you to bring three things. I allow you to bring one album, one book, and one movie. We'll start with an album. Jim David, what album would you
1: pick? Oh, man. Well... I'm a child of the seventies or I grew up in the seventies. So it's going to be, I, I I know I'm dating myself when I say that, but it would probably be, it would probably be an Eagles, which I'm sure there's a lot of people who would say that that are my age, but, uh, but I would also say though, that would probably be the one album. But if I would say, I always felt like I had a pretty wide range of, 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 of choices with it. So it's not just one group that I would be focused on And you know, I mean, you know, there's hard rock, there's, there's country rock. There's all, all of those. Uh, anything with that, I think I'd be happy with.
0: Okay. And Eagles kind of falls into a little yeah. bit of all that, except for the hard yeah. rock. They weren't super hard, yep. but yeah. Okay. How about a book? Since you said you like to read or want to read.
1: Yeah. That, so it's more, again, I'm, I'm trying to go maybe more generalized. I like autobiographical type of of, of books. Not necessarily one particular type. I mean, presidential, certainly yeah. I have some interest in some of the business leaders, but even even ones where there's been adventurers or somebody that's been thrown into a particular situation that they didn't never thought that they were, ever would anything like that. That kind of that kind of book would be something that I would be interested in and that I would find that I would find comfort in reading.
0: Like if someone was stuck on a deserted island for at least a month. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly right But so i can start my i can start my book once you set this all up
0: <laughs> okay robinson crusoe's too dated we won't use that
1: uh, <laughs> right i'll I'll have to be the i'll try and be the modern modern version of that okay
0: uh and finally a movie how about a movie
1: the movie that always that always kind of resonated with me was forrest gump i think it was just because the lesson for me there is you can you know you don't don't read a book by its cover kind of thing. You never know what a person's capable of doing, and they're probably more capable than you think that they are. If you're trying to, if you judge people too early in life,
0: yeah. So, a, a great movie, always enjoyable. It's it's uh, definitely on the list of one of those when you flip through the channels and it's on. It's like, well, I guess I. <laughs> you know, I guess I have to watch this now. It's, yeah, I think no, it's a And, I, and I
1: have in fact, I have in fact done exactly that Chris in the past. I have. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, Jim, listen, I, I appreciate you very much taking the time to do this. And thanks again to Becky for, uh, for, for helping to, to set this up. I wish you the best of luck on your impending retirement. And I, uh, I I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on, on all this with not only me but the audience who listens to this. It was great. Thank you, Jim. Uh,
1: thank you. I thank you for the for the privilege of doing it and the opportunity to do it. It's been it's been fun. I I, I hope I hope somebody finds some value with it anyway. But I do appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for the time.